The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Is it mad that the world burning is not in our, like, top three concerns? You thought bad news was done, but I'm back with more. And Alice Sneddon's Bad News Saves the World. I finally address the climate crisis and explore why no one cares. Watch it on thespinoff.co.nz. I can see the anxiety (laughs) starting to emit from you. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi, looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Well, this week, we heard from the Reserve Bank on what's happening with our economy and what it's going to do with interest rates. For me, this is like my Olympics. Every three months, I get a chance to look inside the engine bay of the economy and find out which levers the Reserve Bank's going to pull and how that's going to affect everyone's disposable income. Because remember, interest rates are so crucial in effectively how much we get to save or how much we have to pay out to the bank in mortgage interest rates. Or if we've got money put aside, maybe we've already paid off our home, or maybe we're saving up for our first home, we'll get to understand how much we'll get back in terms of term deposit money. So it's a really important moment. And our economy in many ways is driven by these decisions that are made every six weeks or so by the Reserve Bank. And in particular, every three months they come out with a full look inside the engine of what they're seeing in the economy. And obviously at the moment, we've got this big problem with inflation. Reserve Bank says it's going to head well over 6% early this year. Now that is way outside the Reserve Bank's target band of between 1% and 3%, and generally around 2% over the medium term. And it's going to be out of that range and a long way from 2% for another three years. So that's not just, you know, one or two quarters. That's three years of, in theory, missing the target. So the pressure is really starting to build on the Reserve Bank. And for the first time in uh, in a good four months or so, we've got a chance to ask them questions and find out what's going on. This is all important, of course, because all around the world, everyone's been really surprised by how much inflation has come out after COVID, and because oil prices and gas prices are up sharply for all their own reasons, and that's flowing through into higher petrol prices at the pump. And it's worth knowing, it's not just about COVID, of course, there you've got Germany, for example, shutting down its nuclear power plants, which means that it's having to use gas. It's also shutting down its coal plants because it wants to stop climate emissions. And the combination of that is pushed up gas prices, and you've seen a significant rise in oil prices as well, which has flowed through to us. Nothing to do with COVID, nothing that New Zealand can control, but certainly that inflation is flowing through. And at the same time, you've seen um, the New Zealand economy do much better than everyone expected in 2020 and 2021. And it's generating inflationary pressures in various places, in housing, in transport costs. And the Reserve Bank's job is to try and convince us that it can actually get inflation back down to around 2% reasonably soon. Otherwise, the risk is we start to lose faith in the Reserve Bank's ability to keep inflation around 2%. And when we do that, that's that's a moment when the nation's expectations are unmoored 
And it's a dangerous moment. Um, that's the moment that the founders of the current version of the Reserve Bank and the way that we run our economy is in real trouble. Because if you don't have anchored inflation expectations, you can have a lot of volatility in your, in your interest rates and things start to get a bit hairy. And we're at that moment where things are starting to get a bit hairy. So what did the Reserve Bank do? It forecast that higher inflation and it increased its forecast for the official cash rate by about 80 basis points. So what that means is back in November, it was forecasting the official cash rate would go from 0.75, which is where it was then, up to around about 2.6, 2.7% by the end of next year. That's what it was saying it would need to do to get inflation under control. However, since then, we've had lots of data and things have gotten hotter and hotter and the Reserve Bank now is saying actually we need to increase the official cash rate more than we previously thought and the peak is going to be around about 3.3% by the end of 2023. So we're going to have to tighten harder to get you guys back into line, to get you thinking that we've got inflation under control. And so this week's statement was seen broadly as a lot more hawkish than people expected. Remember, the doves are the central bankers who are pretty loose and they, they don't think inflation's a problem and they like low interest rates. The hawks are grumpy as heck about inflation and they like high interest rates. Well, the Reserve Bank and Adrian Orr, the Reserve Bank governor, was seen as quite hawkish this week, really trying to convince us that the Reserve Bank will do whatever it takes to get inflation back down into that 2% range pretty quickly because the measured inflation expectations out there are starting to get out of control. So even going out 5, 10 years, they're now quite away from where they should be. And you often hear this phrase that the central bank has done its job because it's got inflation expectations anchored at around 2%. Well, the anchor is starting to shift. And so the Reserve Bank is having to move a lot quicker. So the way that the Reserve Bank did that was firstly it put up the official cash rate, which is the base for all interest rates. And if you've got a floating mortgage rate or a floating business loan, then pretty much immediately you'll see your interest rate go up by about 0.25%. The official cash rate is the rate that the Reserve Bank charges banks for its loans to them and uh, and also for the deposits that it has with them. And that sets the base for everything. So up 0.25%. For some people who have term deposits, um, they're likely to see an increase of probably around 0.25% in the term deposit rate that they get. So that'll be good news if you're saving for a house or if maybe you've already paid off your house and you, you want to have a an increased amount of savings there ready when you retire. So that's good news. For those people who are thinking of getting a mortgage, it's a bit of a good news, bad news story because firstly, that 0.25% is going to put up floating rates. Now you might say to us, well, I never get the floating rate. I always go with the fixed rate. It might be an 18 month rate or a two year rate. Well, it's true. But in the last uh, six to 12 months, those rates have increased already and often in anticipation of higher rates in the future. So a lot of that has already flowed through. But because of the more hawkish or grumpy result this week from the Reserve Bank, we are going to see those fixed and floating mortgage rates up at least another 20 to 30 basis points. So they're currently grouped around about 4%. As recently as last June, they were grouped around about 22 2.3%. So they've almost doubled in six to 12 months, which is quite a lot. 
and they're likely to increase another percentage point according to however you see the Reserve Bank's forecasts and what it does in the wholesale markets. So if you're thinking of buying a house in the next year or two, what you're going to see is that fixed mortgage rate that you're going to have to pay, that will go up around about another percent or so, possibly to around 5%. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is that the Reserve Bank is now expecting that house prices will drop by about 9% from their peak in November. So that means it'll be cheaper to buy a house, even though you're going to have to pay a slightly higher interest rate. Of course, this is only a forecast, and the Reserve Bank's forecast on house price inflation have been wrong before. But certainly, that is uh, good news if you're looking to buy a house. Now, of course, if you've got a house and you had banked all of those big capital gains from the last couple of years and really depended on them, you'll be disappointed that house prices are going to fall a bit at 10%. But remember, house prices rose more than 40% in the last two years. So it's a bit like uh, having the most amazing dinner and dessert, and then at the last minute, someone takes away the, the chocolate wafer at the end. So you shouldn't be too disappointed. Now, we get a chance to ask the Reserve Bank Governor some questions. And one of the interesting points in this week's statement was that the Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy Committee were almost on the verge of doing what we call a bazooka, which is a 50 basis point increase. In the end, they went with 25 basis points, but they said in their commentary around the decision that it was a finely balanced decision between 25 and 50 basis points. And this surprised a few people in the market. was a deliberate indicator that the Reserve Bank was feeling more hawkish. So I asked Adrian Orr the question, gee, how close were you to using the bazooka? And was it the Omicron surge, which at the last minute stopped you from pulling the trigger on the full 50? On the uh, balanced decision between 25 basis points or 50 basis points, How much of a factor was the current and potential disruption of the Omicron surge in the decision whether or not to go with 25 or 50? Yeah, it certainly sat there as one of the um, one of the things we thought about. You know, we've outlined quite clearly. Um, a plus 50 was all about inflation expectations, a stitch in time. Uh, a plus 25 was more about we've already done a lot. There's a lot priced in. There's a lot of um, size there, and we have time to observe uh, the health outcomes of the current uh, environment that we're in here in New Zealand. The broad uh, story in our projections is is an incredibly positive one relative to 18 months ago, two years ago, in that we now have a highly vaccinated population. Yes, we are going through this peak, but yes, we can also see the other side of it around far more uh, uh, liberal movements of resources, people, activity. That is well um, within line of sight now, within weeks, months, quarters. Um, 18 months ago, it was an unknown. So Adrian Orr there with a typically careful response, which suggested, yes, it may have been a factor, but we're not going to tell you how much. So we'll keep an eye on what goes on with Omicron and what happens in the rest of the world. Now, the other big thing that really mattered this week in the Reserve Bank's decision was its comments about what to do with all the government bonds that it bought in 2020-2021. Just a quick recap here. Uh, You might have heard about how the Reserve Bank printed money 
and bought bonds to lower long-term interest rates in the teeth of the COVID crisis in 2020 and in 2021. And it did, along with plenty of other central banks. Now, printing money is, they're not actually using a printing machine. It's more like going into a spreadsheet, control C on a bunch of numbers and control V to copy it somewhere else. And what the Reserve Bank did was buy about $55 billion worth of government bonds in what we call the secondary market. So it went out and bought them off banks and pension funds who had just a few days earlier themselves bought those bonds off the government, i.e. lent the government the money. So that helped lower longer-term interest rates and was one of the ways that the Reserve Bank loosened in 2020 and 2021 to try and soften the blow from the COVID shock. So once you've got those bonds, the question is, well, once you need to tighten, maybe you should sell them back. So where previously you did an easing by control C, control V, what you're doing now is actually going into that line of numbers and doing a control X. And you're removing that money in effect from the economy. You're sucking some of the juice out to try and slow things down. And this is a really delicate thing to do because uh, when other central banks have been in this position, when they needed to unwind their money printing, it really spooked the market. There was a famous case in 2013 when the US Federal Reserve tried to do what it calls a tapering of its money printing and everyone freaked out. (laughs) And so they had to unwind it. So I asked the Reserve Bank Governor, how much of the weight of the tightening announced this week is being taken by the plans to sell back to the government, to the debt management office, the $5 billion a year worth of bonds bought with printed money in 2021, and how much work is being done by the official cash rate hikes? Uh, this is a question uh, for the governor on the um, the relative work that the official cash rate is doing to tighten monetary policy and the work that's being done by the um, the LSAP saleback program, the five billion dollars. Can you give us a sense of you know how how much of the work is being done by the LSAP reversal and how much is being done by the OCR? Uh, I would be very confident to say the vast bulk is done by the official cash rate and that the current level of additional stimulus and the future withdrawal of that stimulus through the LSAT program is very small. Um, This is why we have the confidence that we can both allow these bonds to mature and have a sales process back to the New Zealand Treasury um, without uh, creating any particular impost on longer-term interest rates. So it's all about the official cash rate. So is, is so does that mean that um, you wouldn't necessarily use that uh, any changes in that $5 billion plan as a way to uh, tighten or loosen your track going forward? It's going to be $5 billion to give certainty, and now all the work is the OCR. We Yes, that's correct. We want to express our desires for future interest rates using the official cash rate and express our actions through changes to the official cash rate. So it's back to business as usual. Um, and in the background, you know, we're doing the mechanical process um, uh, with regards to the large-scale asset purchase program. It has been effective and we are now in a wonderful position that we can start uh, removing it and just using our traditional tool. 
So there's Adrian Orr saying that the real work is going to be done by the official cash rate. Now, that will uh, reassure some people who are a little bit worried that the Reserve Bank could, in fact, have two dials for controlling the economy. And so what they're saying is they're going to set the quantitative tightening dial to $5 billion a year and leave it there, and it's going to be the official cash rate they move to try and control the economy in future. Now, the other thing that was a hot topic at the moment is who's responsible for the crazy explosion in house prices in the last couple of years, and in fact, more generally, over the last 20 or 30 years. And central banks globally have been getting a lot of the blame. And in the last week, actually, Treasury came to the parliament and told MPs that they have revised their view and they actually see that the big fall in interest rates over the last 20 years has actually been one of the major drivers for the explosion in house prices, which begs the question, did the Reserve Bank loosen too much, lower interest rates too much, which was the cause of this explosion in house prices? Obviously, everyone's a bit sensitive about this. And I asked Adrian Orr, could the Reserve Bank take more, a bit more responsibility for the explosion in house prices? And did it agree with Treasury that big drops in interest rates were the reason for the fall in house prices? The Treasury uh, told a select committee last week that it now saw the big fall in interest rates as a major driver of the rise in house prices. And I, I wonder if you shared that view and whether the Reserve Bank sees itself as responsible or in any way having to think about the effect on house prices from its monetary policy. Yes, thank you. I think you've been economic with the full quote of Treasury um, there, but a, a nice goading. Um, what Treasury uh, and, in fact, it was collective work they're referring to, work that we're also involved in, is that over a long period of time, and they're talking a couple of decades, we have gone through globally, that was a key word you missed, globally, a secular decline in nominal interest rates. That's an international decline around which New Zealand has zero influence. That is determined by the large economies and long-run impacts such as demographic factors and fiscal policy situations, things that determine long-term real interest rates at the international level. That has been the key driver of asset prices globally and including New Zealand asset prices. Now, within New Zealand asset prices, the most sensitive asset to these interest rate movements has been housing and house, um, housing because that's where the, you know, most of the weight of capital in Aotearoa New Zealand equity is in the form of housing. So the global decline has been the big driver. Secondary to that, and a very small secondary, is what the Reserve Bank, with its own monetary policy, has done relative to that international level. So, yes, we have a small impact at the margin as to whether we are higher or lower than the international interest rate, but it's the global decline in nominal rates that Treasury and ourselves are referring to when you talk about that. Um, just stepping back, we absolutely know that monetary policy, shifting interest rates, shifts relative prices, shifts the desire to spend or invest. That is the role of monetary policy. And through that, it will have impacts on many things, including asset prices. Uh, the severe shift you've seen or significant shift in house price in New Zealand have been through those longer-term declines and the important fact that house building just never kept up with population growth in New Zealand. 
So that's Adrian Orr there, acknowledging that, yes, it did play a little bit of a role, but actually it was global interest rates falling. That is the main culprit there. You can have a debate about that, and certainly our interest rates arguably fell more than many other places, and certainly the extent of our quantitative easing in 2020 was at least as big as some of the other countries. And I think over the years there will be a big debate about whether the Reserve Bank loosened too much, printed too much money, and relaxed lending requirements too much in 2020 and 21, and let house price inflation get away on it. Finally, I wanted to talk about wages. You know, we don't talk a lot about wages when we talk about inflation and interest rates, but they matter. And for the last 10 to 20 years, everyone's been surprised at how subdued wage growth has been. And so the Reserve Bank also keeps an eye on wage growth. It's an indication of how overheated the economy is. And actually, wage growth is not as hot as inflation growth to the point where New Zealanders have actually just suffered a real wage deflationary shock. So I asked the Reserve Bank governor uh, whether the wage inflation was happening as expected, because when you actually look at it, some of the increases in wages that have happened in the last year or so are not nearly as hot as what we've seen in previous periods when the economy was overheated, which most people see as around 2006, 2007. And it's important because if wage inflation is really heating up and taking off and we're getting into a wage price spiral, that's a real problem for the Reserve Bank. And at the moment, we're not seeing yet the big wage inflation reported to suggest that there is a wage price spiral going on. But let's hear what the Reserve Bank Governor has to say. I asked him about whether the wage inflation really was taking off. Question on wages, the percentage of people getting 3 to 5% wage increases is significantly uh, lower than the last time we saw uh, inflation take off. Can you, can you give us a sense of, of whether the wage inflation which in theory should uh, result from all of the labour shortages, whether that's actually coming through yet. Can I just differentiate a couple of things there? The first one is about a relative price shift, the relative price for labour as it becomes scarce. That is a natural part of the labour market working. If labour is short, then you may see uh, these relative one-off price shifts. For it to become then more generalised across the economy and then lead into price-setting behaviours, etc., that becomes a secondary impact and then becomes of more interest to the Reserve Bank. So that chart you're looking at is, is in large part around relative wage shifts. And actual nominal wage sides um, at the moment, we've seen them rise as anticipated. The, the growth of nominal wages remain uh, low from what we've seen in, in quite recent economic history during these stages of economic tightness. Um, and the nominal, nominal wages are still running behind the current inflation at the moment. So... so um, uh, in a sense, the market is working as we would anticipate in that labour market. Well, there's Adrian Orr. He says, just wait, it'll come. And that the indications they're seeing at the moment is that wages are increasing. And there's a good debate about whether the Stats NZ measures of wage inflation actually capture all of the big promotions and the sign-on bonuses and the various other ways that people get what they want when labour markets are hot. So there was my Olympics for the week, the monetary policy statement, what's happening with the economy, what's happening with interest rates, because I have this saying, I have two main sayings. One of them is 
we don't have an economy, we have a housing market with bits tacked on. And secondly, the only things that really, really, really matter in people's finances, and you could argue in our society, are interest rates and house prices. And they're often quite closely linked. And that's why this week's numbers from the Reserve Bank were so interesting. A, interest rates are going up a bit faster than we expected. B, house prices are going down a bit faster than we expected. And C, this will affect all of us in the form of slightly higher term deposit interest receipts or having to pay out a little more in our mortgage or having a slightly lower house price than when we previously expected if we're looking to buy a house. So there we have it, the the match of the day, if you like, the big event in the world of interest rates, the Reserve Bank's monetary policy statement. And just like any great match of the day, we'd like to have an after-match commentary, a bit of a chat with someone else who really cares about these things and can explain it to everyone. Uh, That's Jared Kerr, the Chief Economist at QBank. So stay with us. After the break, we'll be back for an after-match chat with Jared Kerr from KiwiBank. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank economist Sabrina Delgado on the current grim status of the global and local economy. Globally, economic output and activity is slowing. Higher interest rates are weighing heavily on demand and crushing activity. It's not pretty, but it's what's needed to bring down inflation. Here in Aotearoa, the outlook is soft at best. Our impressive surge in net migration helps lift activity, but still the economy is weakening under the weight of the Reserve Bank and a softening global backdrop. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Sabrina and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Well, kia ora, Jared, and welcome into When the Facts Change. On a big day for us, the Reserve Bank's monetary policy statement. What did you think? Well, it was uh, quite an interesting statement. It was much more assertive than we had imagined. Um, the Reserve Bank came out, obviously delivered a 25 basis point hike, which was no surprise to anyone, but their forward trajectory, their forecasts were a lot stronger than we had imagined. And the OCR track, which tells us where the central bank thinks they're going to put the cash rate in the future was lifted by a quite a substantial amount. So it looks like we're going to get a cash rate of three and a quarter percent in coming years. Uh, the cash rate today is only one percent, so there's a lot more coming, and interest rates have got a lot more 
to rise. So uh, a lot of people who um, have to refinance their mortgages, their fixed rate mortgages over the next year or two, um, a lot of the rates that they're seeing, or we're seeing yesterday, actually already priced in the expected rise in the official cash rate. Do you think, therefore, that the higher forecast from the Reserve Bank will filter through into higher mortgage rates uh, for people who are having to refinance over the next uh, six to 12 months? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I think we'll see interest rates continuing to rise and across the curve. Um, I think mortgage rates at the moment are probably a percent or a percent and a half below where they'll end up. So yes, the market had factored in a lot of the tightening that was um, delivered today, but there's more coming and uh, those interest rates that we see on the carded rates at banks and um, and other lending institutions will continue to rise. Another announcement from the Reserve Bank was around its uh, so-called large-scale asset program, which is a very um, tame way of describing their quantitative easing program. And if you were being rude, you'd say their money printing and bond buying program. Uh, they are now um, looking to effectively sell $5 billion a year worth of government bonds back directly to the Treasury. Uh, how do you think that decision uh, will be received in the market? Because there were some who were expecting that the Reserve Bank would do nothing with that and let, let it sort of run down naturally. Yeah, I think the LSAP announcement was pretty much as expected um, by the market. The Reserve Bank wanted to make a big splash when they were buying, so they bought quite aggressively and they're going to sell quite in a, in a very tame manner. I think they want to be quite predictably boring in their unwind of their balance sheet. They don't want to see interest rates gapping higher across the curve as they're selling bonds down. Um, they don't want to force the DMO into issuing you know, a, a lot more debt suddenly. It's a very measured approach and one that I would consider to be you know, predictably boring, which is kind of what you want in the unwind of the balance sheet, but it is a, a quite an interesting move. We've never done QE before, and we've never done QT, uh, quantitative tightening. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But from what we can see, the central bank wants this just to happen in the background and not to be something which is front of mind for market traders. So um, with that higher uh, track for the official cash rate that the Reserve Bank has, it's plugged those numbers into its model, um, hopefully they have more than a spreadsheet, uh, and and worked out that this means that house prices will fall around 9% from uh, the peak. Uh, is that going to surprise too many people or could it sort of upset the apple cart uh, with uh, people's views of their own wealth and how they're spending? Well, we've had unsustainable house price growth. I mean, up until August last year, house prices have risen over 30% they're still running at a 20% clip now. So house price gains that we've seen have been clearly unsustainable. Um, the stimulus that has been thrown at the housing market clearly caused um, you know, quite a surge in house prices. So now they're you know, taking the, um, the punch bowl away, so to speak, taking the alcohol at least out of it. Um, and we're likely to see house prices consolidate now, we're not forecasting the same sort of decline. We're, we're expecting a decline of sort of 0 to 5%. But if we get something larger, um, I don't think that's going to upset um, 
the apple cart, so to speak, too too much, um, given we've had such a huge gain in, in prices in recent um, in the recent year. So the Reserve Bank said in its statement that it actually was on the verge of doing a 50 basis point increase. It talked about a finely balanced decision and obviously what's happening at the moment with Omicron and um, that small invasion in Europe um, may have had a a role in their thinking. Uh, But they're clearly leaving open the idea of bringing out the bazooka uh, next time around, um, w- what did you think of that? And d- do you think they will actually, you know, get to use it? Yeah, look, look, they're never going to um, close off their their options. They're never going to say, look, we're we're not going to use the bazooka ever. There could be a situation in which they need to hike by fifty basis points. I don't think today was that day. Um, I think they delivered what they needed to via their OCR track and their commentary. I think the the statement today was considered to be, you know, very hawkish. We've seen the currency market rally. So we've seen the New Zealand dollar lift and we've seen interest rates rise. So had they delivered a, a more neutral statement, the market wouldn't have done that. The market would have done the, the opposite. So they, they got what they needed via open mouth operations rather than actually firing uh, a 50. But of course, they're going to keep that option open should they need it in the future. So um, we now look forward to the next uh, big decision in uh, May from from memory. And um, before then, the US Federal Reserve is expected to put its interest rates up from the middle of March. Uh, um, Do you think that central banks generally, albeit the Reserve Bank moved before everyone else, are behind the curve here on inflation? Are they being caught out and with their pants down, so to speak, and, and are having to jump in and uh, respond a lot more and faster and aggressively than uh, than perhaps they would have expected? Yeah, uh, yes. And I think, you know, if we're looking at the Reserve Bank, who considers themselves to be a bit behind the curve with today's statement and having to tighten more, and they were one of the first central banks in the world to start tightening, then yes, the other central banks around the world are clearly behind the curve um, and, you know, much much more than the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, who was uh, one of the first to move. So, yes, the Fed's behind the curve. The RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, massively behind the curve. Um, and so are some of the other central banks around the world. So, yes, we're going to see those central banks playing catch-up. Um, the Reserve the Reserve Bank of Australia, I think, will have to pull forward their expected hikes. Um, they have to play catch-up. And as you said, the Fed's going to lift off in March. Um, so they will really set the scene, I think, for most central banks around the world this year. Not only are they lifting their cash rate, but they're also going to unwind their balance sheet as well. Um, so I think most central banks will find themselves in a position where they're lifting interest rates and unwinding their balance sheets at the same time. There's a whole generation of investors out there, some of whom have um, you know, bought all sorts of things on, on apps, who've never seen interest rates rise in a hurry and have always assumed that the Fed, some central bank, has always got their back, is going to be there to keep pumping money in and keep asset prices rising. Do you think this turn uh, could uh, unsettle or unnerve that generation who've never seen it before and trigger some sort of, you know, big 
shock lower in asset prices. Obviously, I'm thinking here mostly about the stock market and potentially the bond market. Yeah, I think we've seen some of that already in in January with the equity markets taking a bit of a hit. Now, that was on the back of central banks turning around and saying, right, we're going to start lifting rates. They hadn't even started lifting rates. They were just saying that they're going to. And the lift in wholesale interest rates have caused equity markets to um, stutter. Uh, So, yes, I think we'll see that over the rest of this year as central banks actually start lifting interest rates then we'll see financial markets trying to absorb that and realise that, you know, the era of ultra-low interest rates is over. Um, and like you say, there's a lot of people out there who haven't seen uh, interest rates increasing. Um, you know, the last time we had a, an increase in the cash rate was in 2014, and that didn't last long. So we haven't seen a proper tightening cycle since, you know, sort of 2006, 2008 in that period there. So we're going back a long time. And if the Reserve Bank of New Zealand delivers what it says it's going to deliver, that would be a very tight, very quick tightening cycle. And um, the game, of course, here for the Reserve Bank is to reset expectations and wrangle them back down into that 1% to 3% area. So currently short-term inflation expectations of consumers and business price setters and wage setters are, you know, they're they're above 3% for the next couple of years. They eventually start to go down in four or five years' time. But the game here for the Reserve Bank is to constantly be sending a signal to everyone in the economy that we've got this, we're going to keep inflation somewhere between 1% and 3%, but its own forecasts say it's not going to get there till 2025. When can we say that the Reserve Bank has failed in a way or has not done its job enough to keep those inflation forecasts and expectations somewhere between 1% to 3% over the medium term? You can have some fun about what you think the medium term is. But, you know, um, at some point you've got to say, okay, uh, it didn't actually work here. We can now judge that they have let inflation get out of control or that they haven't kept it within that 1% to 3% band. I I think what you're touching on is the main point from today's statement. Uh, The fact that inflation expectations have risen uh, and not just risen in the one to two year space, but actually risen in the five to 10 year space is a big deal. You're starting to question the central bank's credibility when you start forecasting inflation being above their um, midpoint over five, 10 years. That's saying, I'm sorry, you're not doing enough and you've failed to do your job. So that I think was the crux of today's statement. They came out and were very stern, very aggressive in their um, in their posturing in their in their OCR track, and with a very clear message that they want to spare tackle inflation expectations, get them back down to two percent and quickly. As as you say, the central bank's credibility is at risk if they let things run too easy for too long. Jared, thank you, thank you very much. Um, it's always good to um, talk to another appreciative spectator of a monetary policy statement, and today <laughs> was a doozy. So um, great to talk to you, and thank you very much for coming on to Win the Facts Change. Thanks, Bernard. 
And thanks there to Jared Kerr for a good old aftermatch chat on the monetary policy statement. I'd like to thank everyone at the Reserve Bank who were very uh, helpful in allowing us to jump onto the Zoom call and ask questions. And of course, uh, thanks to Jared from Kiwi Bank. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was When the Facts Change. We're a weekly podcast, so we'd love it if you signed up for subscriptions on whatever platform you use to make sure you get all of the best aftermatch commentary on the economy, <laughs> politics and business. And we'd like to thank, of course, our, our partners, uh, KiwiBank, who help us produce this podcast on the spin-off podcast network. I'm Bernard Hickey for When the Facts Change. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, Podcast Manager at the Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.